0: You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. All right, uh, this evening I'm here with uh, Jim Johnson.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Welcome back, Jim.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. Good to be back.
0: I'm here with Lewis Ergoni. Hello, doll fans. And after a long 17-month absence,
2: uh, we're here with Daniel Reinhardt. What's up, Finn fans? Good to be back. How are you, Daniel? We missed you. I'm doing really well. Um, I I can't complain about my life. I'm I'm really busy. Uh life is happening all around me. I have uh A really good center here and uh, I'm doing as best I can and being as safe as I can in the face of the pandemic as I'm sure everyone else is and sure uh, that I hope everyone else is as well sure so how's your boy doing so Kason is doing great let me I'm gonna tell everybody that doesn't know uh, when I left at episode 29 I was here for the uh, the first 29 episodes I left. My son was just three months old and we were in the process of just making sure that he had everything. It was hard on me. My son's name is Cason Taylor. For all of you that don't know, named after number 99 in our programs and number one in our heart, Jason Taylor. Cason like Taylor is 20 months old now, doing really, really well. He's growing growing up fast, uh, following dad around everywhere. and And sure enough, um, I'm going to have him throwing a football around as soon as I can get him to do it. So he's doing really well. Thanks for asking.
0: All right. I got one more question for
2: you, Daniel, yeah. and then we'll get everybody involved here. What did you think of the draft? I was really excited about the draft. Uh, so if if anybody remembers from, from the last time I was on, we was talking about rebuilding this roster and rebuilding right. this team. And uh, the question of quarterbacks come up. Um, I think I'm on record as saying that I wasn't a big Tua Tagovailoa fan, but um, I'm, I'm happy to say that as the process went, uh, I grew into a big Tua fan. He was actually exactly what I wanted coming out of the 2020 draft, and, and I was really happy to see us take him and some offensive linemen to help as well. So, So what changed your mind? You know, it wasn't even his play on the field. It definitely wasn't his injury. I watched him after he got hurt. His demeanor, his attitude, his leadership skills, the things that lead uh, a man to have amazing character is really what changed my mind about Tua. He obviously has all the intangibles on the field, but when I was able to actually just sit and watch the character that he showed... It changed my mind about him, and I'm really excited to have him as our future leader.
0: Yeah, he's mature beyond his years, so that's that's definitely a plus.
2: He certainly is.
0: So, Jim, you've you've been away a while, and I, I take the blame for that.
1: That's uh, all good. <laughs> it's all as good. you should,
0: as you should. Mike. Well, of course. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, doing well. I've been working on a room remodel in the house, so that's uh, kept me on my toes, uh, working six days a week, and then working on the house. So I've been busy, busy. So, yeah. you know, dealing with all of the uh, COVID-19, extra time here, extra time there, uh, you know, forgetting the mask, going back to the car to get the mask, <laughs> going back into the store, you know, all, all of that mumbo-jumbo. So it's it's been a busy time, and... Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing well. Things are going good and uh I'm I'm very concerned about uh our NFL season coming up.
0: And we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh first, I, we've got some questions from some of the members in the group and I thought uh, we should probably go ahead and ask those. Guys, uh Nick asks, "Where will the pass rush come from?" Lewis? <laughs> Same question we had at the beginning of last
3: season. Exactly Where's the, pass the Where is the pass rush going to come from? And we assumed, all of us, me, you, and Jim, as we discussed it over last summer, that mm-hmm. the coaching staff would come up with schemes and different situations to where we would fool the offense. Well, as the season progressed, we kind of realized that you have to have the players in place to do that type of thing. and. Um, Unfortunately, it never unfolded last year. Now, we've made some upgrades, um, you know, at defensive end. We picked up two defensive ends in free agency. We drafted another one that I think, you know, put a little bit of pass rush on the quarterback. But, um, you know, you have to have the players regardless of the fact you have to have the players to have to have an understanding of what they're trying to do, the coaching staff and trying to get them to do the right thing and be in the right position and, and make the plays. You have to have playmakers and, um, You know, looking at the roster right now, Mike, to answer your question or to answer whoever posed the question, I'm just not sure if it's there right now. You know, I mean, Van Noy will help. There's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle, but there's, you know, I don't see a dominant guy out there that, you know, a guy like a Cameron Wake or a Jason Taylor to get the job done. But, um, you know, hopefully they come up with schemes that, uh, that get the job done in that sense. Jim, do we need a dominant guy?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't see that dominant guy on the roster either as far as a pure pass rusher goes. Uh, Lou mentioned the guys we picked up and, and you know, the Shaq Lawson types. Uh, these guys are good at holding the edge and making tackles in the run game. They're not per se that just go get the quarterback guy. So I like the direction they went, and with these additions – Maybe the linebackers will have more room to make some plays. Uh, We're yet to see if Van Ginkle can make an impact. And will Van Noy be effective with the pass rush like he was in New England? Like Lou said, we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. And we're going to have not much preseason or camp to see what happens.
0: Daniel, uh, Nick also asked which rookie will make an immediate impact.
2: It's going to be a really tough offseason for these rookies. It's going to be really hard for a lot of guys to get on the field early. Uh, Obviously, when you're talking about high draft picks, we're going to expect guys like Austin Jackson and, and Hunt to get onto the field, Robert Hunt has got to play. But if you're asking me which guy's going to make a big impact, I think it's going to be Brandon Jones, the safety out of Texas. I loved this guy coming out of the combine, uh, out of the draft process, and, and it's not because we got to see him physically dominate the combine or anything like that. He had a he had a torn labrum late in the year, but it was because of his preparation. And I think that more than what he showed on the field at Texas, which was good. His preparation and his intelligence is why he is on our squad this year. It's why we we drafted this kid. He took the time to learn basically every defense in the NFL last year. He took and studied every play from every team from the last four games. Came prepared with a notebook, a binder, um, and just wowed him at the at the combine interviews and stuff. I. I would absolutely say that I expect to see Brandon Jones on the field early and it would not surprise me to see him on the field often, especially um, as the season progresses. But I, I think he's going to make the biggest impact early uh, and then we'll see about later on on down the season. I think we're going to have some high impact rookies, but uh, I'm going to go off the ball here and, and say Brandon Jones.
0: Yeah, it's really tough to say, you know, right now, because we don't know, you know, if we had a full training camp and a full preseason, you know, you could probably list three or four guys and answer that. But uh, with the way things are and and such a short, you know, opening to the season, we don't know. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. Um, and? I mean, Hunt is a guy I would think would, you know, have an immediate impact if if camp had been normal. Now, maybe he will. Uh, But maybe it'll be too tough to get him in there real quick, you know, because of the shortened uh, process.
3: Mike, personally, I I do think that Hunt will probably be one of the guys that we do see because of the simple fact that it's an offensive line. And I'm not downplaying the position that these guys play, but, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot to learn, you know, in the secondary and, you know, even at the linebacker position. Um, When you're playing that right tackle – you block the guy in front of you in practice every day, and you're doing a better job than what some of these other guys that we have on the roster are doing, then he's going to be in there. I mean, and um, it's the easiest path, I think, for Hunt, you know, in regard to the guys that are in front of him. Now, Brandon Jones is a really good one as well, because there isn't a lot of depth at safety. You know, you've got two guys back there that, that are ex cornerbacks that are basically our two starters right now. So he does have an opportunity there, but you know, with what's in front of hunt, I think he's got the easiest path in regard to, you know, starting come day one. That's my opinion.
1: What I want to see is the offensive line gel with the two or three new guys. You've, you got hunt Jackson and maybe Kindley, Uh, you know, wouldn't it be fantastic to see a quality offensive line for the Miami Dolphins?
0: I think we will in two thousand twenty one. <laughs> <laughs>
3: now
1: <laughs> come on now. To we gotta liners, move we gotta move up the pace.
0: <laughs> uh, okay.
3: I mean they, um, Mike, these guys have to, you know, hunt they and, got that's and it. they got Jackson to work. have to have to play and they have to play at a at a nice level that way we can maybe work on the interior a little more the following season yeah these two guys are key i mean they they are so important to this team right now um like jim just mentioned i mean they're, they're keys to the team they have to play well if they fail us then we're right back to square one and you really don't want that across the offensive line you don't want to just keep wasting picks on the you know on the offensive line or trying to sign these free agents
2: i think they both start
3: yep week one like it i like it i like that
0: daniel i like it yeah all right derek asked which is our thinnest position and i was going to say safety you kind of already touched on that is there another position you guys think is thin
3: i'll let you guys go first i got one for sure
1: you mentioned safety uh you know we've got mccain as our primary safety and he was plugged in there so you know the brandon jones is a good signing but I still would like to have a, a definitive safety back there. We've got guys that are cornerbacks and they can play safety. Uh, utility is great, but you know I'd like to see those guys that are just plug and play in the safety back there. So that probably would be what I would think is one of our weaker positions, what thinnest per se.
2: I'm looking at the defensive line. I mean, obviously our offensive line is always something we need work on, but I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the defensive line here. We got Wilkins, who was our first rounder last year, and I think the kid's going to be a stud. I love Godshaw. I have since we drafted him in, what, the fifth or sixth round. Um, but other than that, we got we got Lawson on the defensive end, and I think he's going to play really well this year. I think he's going to continue to uh, edge his stats up. Uh, he had career highs last year. I think he'll do that again this year. But past him, I'm really not sure what we have. I, I like the kid Curtis Weaver coming out of Boise state Stowbridge is maybe a two down guy, but he's just going to be a fill in guy and, and Ogba uh, I'm just not convinced that he's going to give us enough. Uh, and frankly our, our defensive tackle that we drafted out of uh, where Alabama Rayquan Davis, I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not convinced that guy has enough, um, enough to, to play at this level. I, I, I didn't like that draft pick. I'm looking at our defensive line and thinking, man, we really need to step it up there. So that's where I would go.
3: Yeah. And that's what draft picks and, and free agent signings, and we're still a little, um, you know, a, a little, little light. Little light. Um, guys, my, my position by far, and I mean by far, is tight end. I mean, past Gasicki. I mean, if he gets hurt, I mean, honestly, guys, there's nothing on this roster. I mean, I'm shocked that they did not at least bring in, you know, a veteran-type guy. Well, they brought in Uh, the guy from Detroit. Yeah, uh, who, Roberts? Yeah. Is that who you're talking about, Michael Roberts? Well, again, Mike, (laughs) if Gesicki goes down— and believe me, he's not an all around tight end either. I mean, we don't have a guy on this roster right now. That's a really good blocking tight end. I mean, Smythe is, is number two on the depth chart and you know how I feel about him. So, I mean, this is a really thin position on this team. We got to hope that Kasicki stays healthy the whole season and, um, you know, past him, there's just, I mean, literally, I don't see any depth here whatsoever. And, um, I know it's not a major, major position, you know, compared to some of these other positions we've talked about, but in regard to being light at a position, I think it's tight end without a doubt.
0: All right. So we've named three positions.
2: <laughs> no, right? I actually, I yeah, actually I like, like that. Like... <laughs> I like that. We've got nothing there. I don't know how you feel about Smythe, but I I definitely agree. We've got nothing there beyond Kosicki.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Smythe sure didn't light up the,
3: the highlight reel last year. No, he's going into his third season now, guys. I mean, you know, has he shown us anything over his first two years in the NFL? Not really.
0: He's shown us we need a tight end.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If we're being honest. Mike, you have an opinion on that? You know, I know you're hosting here. Same as yours. Is that right? Okay, good.
1: All right. All right.
0: All right. So, Mark Mark asks, are expectations too high given that we overachieved last season?
1: Expectations are kind of like an opinion you know everybody everybody has their own set of expectations
2: is that the phrase yeah i don't i don't <laughs> know i don't know
1: but or this, is, are this like, is
3: an r-rated show jim I mean, yeah you can go that down is, that well road. i'm
1: gonna leave that for you guys but okay. i mean it, i mean if you pump yourself all up and, and you look at the schedule and say yeah we could you know we could win nine games i'm um, yeah that is probably overachieving Uh, You know, realistically, with a shortened season and a shortened camp and uh, very little preseason, if anything. Somebody's got to win. I was going to say, somebody's got to win these games, and we're going to shock a team or two or three, uh, and then... Or four or five. Yeah, or four or five, maybe, (laughs) but... You know, it's all about how things come together. We've got a lot of new bodies. Uh, We've got like, what, 30-some new players on the team. It's going to be very difficult for the coaching system to get this team playing as a team just because they're simply not going to have enough hours into it to field a team that that can get all the details right on the field so you know um,
0: jim i agree with you but you know they did it last year
1: they did they did well not not only
3: that but everybody's on the same page i mean you know they're all in the same boat every team i mean you look at new england and all the changes there um you know there's a ton of teams that now buffalo is pretty much coming back with the same team with some good add-ons so Maybe they're going to be a little bit ahead of everybody else. But um, I'll tell you what, you know, across the NFL with the free agent signings and the rookies coming in and stuff and the changeover, um, everybody's basically in the same boat at this point. And, um, you know, I mean, if like Mike said, if if we do what we did last year in regard to getting these guys to believe – um, early on, and then they start showing it in the second half of the season. I, I think I think we'll be somewhat okay. I think we're going to win seven, eight games this year. And I don't know if that exceeds expectations or not. But if we won five games last year, I think we get seven or eight this year.
0: For now, sure, Louis, you were just in Vegas. The over/under was six and a half, right?
3: Uh, yeah, it was something like that. I believe it was. Yeah, and I was going to yeah. bet, and you talked me out of it. Tonight, oh, I'm, so.
2: I'm pounding the over on that. So,
3: <laughs> go ahead, Dan. <Daniel. laughs>
2: I don't know if my expectations are super high, but I'll tell you what is, and that's my optimism. I haven't. <laughs> I'm going to say something really dirty. I haven't been this optimistic about the Dolphins football team since after 2016, when we went to the playoffs and Tannehill was coming back healthy. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, but I'm I'm so, that is a
1: dirty word here, you know.
2: I, I, I know, I know, I know, and I'm very sorry about it. Um I didn't you think be. my first episode back I would mention Tannehill's name. But the optimism thing really does fit here because there isn't a coach in the league that did more with less than Brian Flores did last year. And with this shortened off season, this however you want to say it, that with the pandemic the way it is. The, the difference in coaching is going to be very evident in, in damn near every game this season, especially early season. And, I mean, we have, we have to start against New England, so it's trial by fire. But I don't expect us to change the world this year. I don't expect us to, you know, win the division. But I'm really optimistic that not only are we going to be some teams that maybe we shouldn't have. But I, I think we're going to start beating the teams that we should on a more consistent basis. So, I don't really have high expectations, but I'm super excited about seeing where we can go. Well, I think we're all
0: excited, aren't
2: we? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it, isn't yeah. it
3: more important, guys, that you know we go in the right direction again this year? I mean, we're not expecting – you know, the team to be a playoff team this year. Now, if they do, great. I mean, we'll be ecstatic. But I think what we want to see is them getting better and, you know, getting the pieces in place for, you know, the seasons thereafter. Um, you know, that's the key. I mean, if we see them go backwards, as we did with, G- you know, say after his first season, uh, that's a problem. And, you know, we're back to square one. So we kind of want to see them, becoming a better football team as a whole and and making that, you know, progression into a playoff team. And um, that's what's more important other than the win. So as you mentioned it, Jim, you know, in regard to expectations, it's kind of like, you know, it, it, everybody has different expectations. What you want to see is good quality football being played and the, and the team being coached well by the coaching staff, as Daniel mentioned. I mean, those are the keys. I mean, if you don't see that, as a fan, then you're going to be disappointed. I mean, I will. I mean, you know, we're we're realists. I mean, me and Mike talk every single game over and over again. After the game, we talk, and we're realists. You know, we don't sit there. We don't, you know, sugarcoat anything. It becomes a situation where what you're seeing on the field is exactly what we are, and that's it. There's no excuses for it. So, you know, with that being said, you know, you got to hope that they just – Go in the direction that they started going off in the second half of last year. They got well, what to I want to that.
0: see is a physical football team.
3: Right. Right. And a smart football team as Jim yep. talks about all the time. Yep. You know, way back that's when right. when Jim was on the show with us more often, that's all he talked about was smart football. And that, that's that's a that's a great point that he constantly brought up. It's a situation where we didn't play smart football for years, and hopefully they're they're out of that. You know, the coaching staff instills smart football on the on the
1: field. Daniel used a word a minute ago, consistent. And if we can play consistently well, in games rather than, you know, beat a team we shouldn't and then lose it, lose to a team that we should uh, that we shouldn't, you know, it's it's it needs to be consistently, consistently going the right way. Consistently you know what I'm consistent. Yep. Yeah, just just <laughs> continue. You know, it, it, all some of those games that we blew we're just bad football and it wasn't because of any specific thing it was just bad football so you got to you got to be consistent and continue the the you know the charge forward well listen when you're
0: not good enough you play bad football and that's, that's you know that's where we've been so we have to get out of that we have to add talent and hopefully we're doing that hopefully the guys they're adding are going to work out and give us a more physical well disciplined team
2: exactly amen to that daniel Throw something at me. What do you got? So I wanted to ask you guys if you think, and I was listening to NFL radio today and I didn't get a chance to hear the entire thing, but they were talking about top five secondaries in the league. And I've heard this, that, or the other about different secondaries. And I think that we've got one of the best cornerback tandems in the league this year between Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And I want no, to I get think your every, guys' feelings so, on Byron think? Jones because and, and, I haven't heard what you guys have to say about that signing and what you think that's going to do for our secondary.
3: Lewis? Uh, I think it's a great signing. It was a surprise to all of us, wasn't it? Um, when they, I mean, I was shocked by it. You know, the fact that uh, X-Man's getting so much money and then you throw a ton more money at Jones and then with our last pick in the first round, we pick another cornerback. I was like wow these guys are, are going full throttle so yeah I agree with you I mean I think it's it's it may be very well the best cornerback tandem if of course x-Man is healthy next season and I think this kid that we drafted late is going to be a steal you know at that point in the draft I really feel that he's gonna he's an athlete he's fast he, he's physical. not afraid he's physical right he's not afraid to hit is what I was going to say and I mean I think that um, needham. We'll add some depth back there. I like the way he played for the, you know, for the, even though he was, you know, he struggled a bit, but as a rookie, I thought he did a pretty decent job. So I like the corners and, you know, a lot depends on the safeties, um, you know, in regard to, you know, one of the best um, secondaries. As you mentioned, Daniel, cornerback-wise, yeah. I mean, God, you you get those two receivers locked down on the outside with these two guys, and, I mean, my God, the rest of the defense, it allows the safeties to basically roam a little bit and maybe take some chances, you know. Um, I love it. We'll so, see.
2: So you're you're talking about – when you're talking about the, the young kid who's fast and physical, you're talking about our third first-rounder?
3: Correct. Think, so
2: do you? Yeah. I was just going to ask you, yeah. do you and know how nobody... to pronounce it? Nobody right. wants I'm to say his gonna, name. I'm not. Yeah. I couldn't.
3: We couldn't even get Gusecki right for at I least – Igbenogany. Ig Igbenogany.
2: Let's call bin him bin Noah. Noah. Uh,
3: all right. Yeah. There you go. Noah. I think yeah.
2: you guys were talking about earlier, the very first question was getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, I didn't hear your guys' episode about it last season going into the season, but I think that we're going to be able to scheme that guy into some pressure. Egbinogony is going to get us some pressure, I think. I mean, not mm-hmm. consistently every game, all the time, like we need. But I think we're going to see him hitting some quarterbacks this year.
0: You might. They may blitz him a little bit, but I, I think predominantly he's going to play nickel at least initially, anyway.
3: Right. Yeah. I de- I mean, he's not going to start. I mean, unless somebody's hurt, um, he'll be out there though for sure. I mean, I think he's going to, you know, uh, jump ahead of anybody else who's in camp you know parker and some of these other guys well not parker i meant perry and and those type of webster uh you know tankersley who's been around forever i, was I mean just i gonna think say, what gonna, about
2: cordrea yeah i, mean,
3: <laughs> I don't, I don't you know, think
0: cordrea is going to be on the roster
2: well no. you know
3: mike he, he could surprise i mean he's been hurt and you know i i liked him initially Me too. um he has a
0: minute
3: right for a minute now he hasn't shown much but you know we'll see you know, yeah. Devontae got going after, what, four or five seasons? So, yeah, but the yeah. difference
0: is he's a first-round pick, so <laughs> yeah. that's the difference. No,
3: no question. No question.
1: All right. Where Jim, what you got? got? My question is, is, will Chandler Cox find a place on the team? Will the fullback position survive with all the depth we've got at running back now? Uh, wow, that's a good one. I, that's what I was thinking today. I was like, man, no, I I,
0: I think they've got other people that can play fullback in a pinch, so I'm going to say no. You think he's done? He's yep. a
3: casualty, huh? I think he is.
2: I really like Chandler Cox, and not only would I like him to make the team, but I, th- I think he will. We've seen those dreaded Patriots in the North use the fullback a lot over the last number of years. And while I don't think Flores is a copycat of, of what we had up there, uh, I do think that he's going to continue to use the fullback as we move forward. And and frankly, I'm not convinced that we need Miles Gaskin, for example. I mean, Patrick Laird put up a better showing last year, and um, we've got a couple of running backs even better than that now. So I think we will see Chandler Cox on the field in aqua and orange this year.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm going to sway your way as well, Daniel. Only because um I don't see a ton of depth there, you know, at this position. Um you know, you have Howard and Breda. Uh Laird is, you know, third on the depth chart right now and um you know, I mean, he's a nice player from where he came from, but um you know, do you really want him starting in, you know with if the guys in front of him are hurt? I'm not so sure. You know, Gaskin, same thing. I have same feelings on him. So You know, when you look at that as a whole, you know, you would think that in goal line situations, you know, there's going to be an importance. And throw in the fact that the thing I mentioned earlier, the fact that we don't have a real solid group of tight ends, it makes it even more important to have a good blocking fullback like Chandler if he's capable of doing it. Now, I mean, and again, we're not there. We're not going to be there. We don't know if he's really that good at blocking fullback. I have no idea. We didn't see enough of him last year. We really didn't. Um, I can't honestly honestly give you you know a, a, a full blown uh, commitment to him one way or another right now. But I will say this is that you know he has an opportunity to make the team because of the fact that uh, those two positions are just a little bit uh, weak. And um, you know I think for that reason he probably does make the team.
2: I just love that smash mouth fullback football, too. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
1: We, we all do. It's we so we grew up with that. You got yeah.
0: to. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm not sure he's the guy to provide it, but we'll see. I mean, you know, like Lou said, we have not seen a lot of them, so it's hard to say.
2: Breaking his nose and bleeding from the crown of his face. Come right. on, bud.
0: Smashing the linebackers into submission. <laughs> love it. Love it.
3: <laughs> Lewis. Yes. What you so, got? He- you want something from me, huh? Well, I got a couple of things, but we'll start off with this one because there was a debate on the uh, Facebook page um, in regard to uh, Tannehill. And I know you mentioned earlier, Daniel, that we didn't want to mention him. But um,
0: I'm, crying. You know, I,
3: I'm curious as to what you guys think in regard to him going forward. Um, you know, we saw what he did. I think uh, I'd rather talk about the series.
1: Patriots or something. Dang.
3: Oh, no, 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 no. You <laughs> uh, said a really, really bad word just now. A really bad word, Jim. Um, so my question is, is I mean, what are, but all three of you guys, what are your thoughts on him going forward? Give me your thoughts on, on where you think he's going from, from what we saw of him last year.
1: In, I'll, I'll, I'll hit this one first. I mean, Tannehill is fantastic when things are going well. You know, they sign their running back, and if if Henry continues to beat up defenses and, and get eight yards on first down, uh, Tannehill's job gets so easy, it's, it's silly, basically. But when things start to break down, he tends to make some poor decisions, and in the bottom line is he doesn't get things done when it's crunch time. This is what we saw when he was a Dolphin. This is basically what we saw when things went south at the end of the playoffs. He didn't have enough in his back pocket to pull off a victory. You know, it's, he's going to continue to be a quality starter. They're going to get a lot of wins based on, you know, the running game. He's going to keep going just the way he has, as far as I'm concerned. He's not going to get much better, and he's not going to get much worse.
3: Okay.
2: So I don't disagree with anything you just said, Jim. I think Tannehill is a good game manager at the quarterback position. I always liked him when he was here until the very end, and I see a lot of what you see, Jim. I see somebody who, when they deal with adversity or they have to lead their team back from down 7, 10, 13 points, it's a real struggle. I think that if the Titans, which is where he resides now as we all know, if they can stay ahead in ball games and their defense can uh, keep them right there as well maybe three points <laughs> i think that he will continue to win some ball games for them i do see when they are ahead of the chains he's still a good quarterback he's he's still well he's still a good enough quarterback you've seen him have some progression last year uh down the field without aj brown even and I don't think that he can lead multiple receivers to, to have, you know, division leading statistics, but I think that he can be a good enough quarterback to lead them to enough wins to make the team happy for a while. I don't think that he'll ever be a Super Bowl winning quarterback because when adversity comes his way, he, he folds. There was
0: a study one of the webpages did as far as quarterbacks once they go beyond their first read, their their performance metrics. Mm-hmm. And his was abysmal. Yeah. Okay. And w- that's where Henry helps him because when you've got that solid running game, that first read is going to be open more often. Absolutely. Because of guys, guys are crashing the run. So, it helps him. And, uh, you know, he did play well last year. I mean, there's no getting around that. He did play yeah, well. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the playoffs, they, they ratchet it up a notch. And I'm just not sure, you know, that he's good enough to get a team through the playoffs. And we'll see, you know. Um, I'm glad he's gone because I think we needed to move in a different yes. direction. Yes. I think he wore out his welcome here. And uh, I'm happy. I'm looking forward to seeing Tua. I don't want to talk about Tannehill anymore.
2: So, I'll say one last thing. And mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm 40 years old. And so, I've seen... A little bit of the eighties. I have seen the nineties. I grew up with Marino and, and a bunch of really good quarterbacks. I don't think my entire lifetime I ever seen a quarterback win two playoff games with under a hundred yards passing in those games. It may have happened back in the sixties and seventies. It did. I, it did. I've never seen Greasy it happen. Did it week in and yeah. week out. I've never yeah, seen yeah. it happen in my lifetime and I'm not sure I'll ever see it happen again. And I don't care yeah. how good Derrick Henry is. I don't see I don't think we'll ever see that happen again. Just so, agreed. That's that's all I got to say about it. Moving forward,
0: the difference between Marino and Greasy was Greasy, when he was down in a ball game, could pull the team together and make things happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas you never saw that. Right, Tannehill, Tannehill struggles doing that. Marino well, well, you did saw, it too.
3: You- you, right. You saw it with Fitzpatrick last year. I mean, how many times were we down? And you're like, well, here we go. You know, we're going to lose yeah. by 28 points. And all of a sudden, we're right back in the football game. And it was against decent teams. You know, Buffalo down here, they kept yep. coming back after they were down. But... You know, the other thing, and you touched on it earlier, Daniel, was the character. And and Tannehill, you know, listen, he's he's a good, good guy, and he does have a lot of character, yeah. and he has desire. But what I saw a lack of was that other level of desire mm-hmm. that you mentioned that Tua brings to the table. I mean— you know, Tannehill was just okay with with the job not getting done, and and you you saw it. You yep. saw him on the sideline. You never saw him just frustrated and throwing things around and just you know losing his shit because you know he just wasn't playing well or picking up third and threes or third and fours. I mean, he always was okay with it. He'd run off the field, go sit, and that's it. You want to see a guy that it just drives him crazy Show when they are not getting the job done? Yeah. You know, I never saw that out of Tannehill, and I hope that would you know we saw it with Fitzpatrick. You know the enthusiasm. I mean, here's a 40 year old guy running around, taking on linebackers and stuff at times. And I'm not saying Tannehill didn't do that, but Fitzpatrick brought the team, as Mike mentioned a little while ago, to a different level. He he had them believing that man. You know what? If this guy is believing in us and he's moving us, and you see positive things happening on the football field, it it all just flows right through the rest of the team I mean he picks up everybody Mm -hmm. and as Mike mentioned we never saw that with Tannehill
0: not often enough I mean you know you just have to look at uh, Demonte Parker and Mike Kosicki and see how they performed last year compared to how they performed with Tannehill at quarterback right Right. and that another tells you all point. you need to know
3: yep another good point absolutely no yeah. no question with a worse offensive line mind you. yes and i you think know,
2: we're so. going to see a lot of that fire and, and emotion and passion with tua once do, right. he hits the field uh you talk about where that fire and passion meets character and meets preparation i yep. mean he's going to be more prepared than uh any rookie quarterback we've had coming in in a long time and I, and i'll tell you this and this is what really gets me excited. I have not felt 100% confident. Well, 100% might be a little extreme because I don't, I don't know on that yet. I have not felt confident in a really long time that down by six points with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, we have a quarterback that can lead us to a victory. Yes. You
0: know, thank yep. you. You know, mm-hmm. and,
2: and Fitzpatrick's got some of that. Yep. But I think the two has got that too. And we're obviously, we're in a wait and see. We are. But – I haven't felt that in a long time. And I get I get excited thinking that maybe, just maybe, we've got that again, boys.
1: Well, yeah. uh, imagine how that feels for the team itself when they feel their quarterback can't lead them to a score with two minutes to go. Yeah, right. So that that is my biggest thing, why we needed to move on from Tannehill. I think he, you know, the the teammates just didn't think there was enough there.
0: I think there's something to that.
1: And, you know... You see, I mean, I was involved in coaching, you know, some the younger kids in football. And if you've got a couple players that make plays and it uh, shocks the world, and and you get a touchdown or a score, the whole team changes. They go from being defeated to yes. let's go kick their butt right now. We're gonna we're gonna win this game, and you can see it. How many games did we get behind with Tannehill, and and it just got worse instead of better. Where when we were behind with Fitzpatrick last year, and he and he trucks a linebacker and gets a first I was down, was
2: going to say that
1: um, the whole team comes to life, yep. and you say, well, if he can do it, we can all do it, and and you see it in these come from behind victories where we, you know.
0: Well, you know, he he did that for Tennessee, which is the funny thing. He did lift Tennessee. There, there's no question about it because they were a better offense when he went in the lineup than they were before that. Mm -hmm. so I mean I give him credit for that but I still say I got to see him win in the playoffs on a consistent basis before I'm going to believe in him because I I don't know that he has what
2: it takes he's got just enough to give somebody hope yep and then he's gonna shit on it yep (laughs) right
3: well he's you know what you know the other thing that we discussed on there was the fact that you know the, the comment was made in regard to well you know he can be a franchise quarterback I'm like you do realize that he's been in the league seven seasons <laughs> yeah. now. I mean, yeah, you know, what's it going to happen? Right? You know, we we gave him every opportunity here, and you know he had injuries, yes, but there were times where he you know he failed us, and and as you mentioned, Daniel, I never I never felt uh, when we were behind in football games that he was capable of of bringing us back. I know Mike and Jim feel the same way. I felt the same way, and it wasn't only with just two minutes left. I mean, as soon as you got down in a game, you were like. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Everything everything yeah. had to go the right way in order for yeah, them to win. The defense games. better
0: score a touchdown is what you were thinking. Right. Yeah.
3: I mean, there, there were a few times where, you know, he did, you know, play well and and did bring us back in games, but they were few and far between. I mean, not enough over the course of his Dolphin career. So, um, you know, I wish him all the best, you know, until they play us. Um, but, uh you know, I, I'm I'm happy to see him go as well. So I think we're all on the same page with him. We all have the same thoughts. On I that. think
2: so. Give, I think so. I'll give you him know, this. Go ahead. He's the only starting quarterback remaining from the 2012 draft class. Yep. Yep. Isn't that crazy? That is. If very, you think about very, it. Well, crazy. no, that's not true. Uh, Russell Wilson. Now Kirk Cousins. So first rounders. Let's go there.
3: Okay. First rounders. <laughs> there you go. That's what you meant, right? Yeah.
2: We can, Mike, you can
3: cut. You can cut out. Uh, you know, what he said initially,
0: right?
2: If, oh, man, can you go back to all the previous episodes and cut out the dumb stuff I said? <laughs> oh, no, I, sweet. I was
0: actually going to make a uh, blooper reel. Oh, no. But, uh,
2: well. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. He's back with the dumb stuff.
0: <laughs> Anybody else have something else they want to throw out?
3: I do have something else if anybody else doesn't. I was just curious as to how you guys think the NFL is going to um, address the safety of these players in regard to this virus and and do you honestly, honestly believe that they are going to have fans in the stands? Um, I mean, in September, I mean, guys, we're at the end of July. This is, I mean, realistically, we're what, six weeks away right now? I mean, so give me, I want to hear your your thoughts on all of this, all you guys in regard to this as well.
2: So I think that, well, I, th- I think it just came out today that the plan is as of right now to test players every day for the first two weeks of training camp, right? So that's a good start. I think as rookies start to come in, they've got to test positive twice before they can come in and start doing strength and conditioning. That's a good start. I think they're going to have to ramp it up even more than that. You know, I think they're going to have to continue to do that as the preseason progresses. I think the players are probably going to get their way and they won't have to play in a preseason game. As far as fans in the stands. So I'm not 100% certain that we'll see fans in the stands come September. It's going to be really tough in a lot of venues. A lot of places are hot spots right now. I think as the season progresses, I do believe there will be able to be some fans in the stands in certain areas. Now, New York, New Jersey, don't know about that. It's sounding like they're not going to allow anybody there. But if you look at even just Baltimore, I think their plan is for 15 to 20,000 Out of 71,000 seats. So I do think at some point we will see fans in the stands. But man, it's still so far up in the air as far as how they're going to make that happen. What kind of numbers they're going to have. I'd really like to say yes. um, And I am going to say yes. But it's going to be uh, extremely abbreviated as far as the numbers are concerned. I know for me, well, we're talking fifteen to twenty percent, roughly. Yeah, I know for me, I'm planning on going to Denver in October, so uh, I'd like to see uh I'd like to see Tua uh, in person starting in in October in Wear
3: Denver. You know, the question becomes real quick. You touched on something. You know, in regard to some stadiums having fans in the stands. Well, what? How would they even address that? Because in all honesty, I mean, I think that if you decide that some stadiums just are not going to have fans, then you have to do it collectively across the league. I mean, I don't think you can, you know, go to a place to where there is, would there would actually be a home field advantage with a bunch of fans in the stands, and then the following week you come back to Miami to play a home game and they're playing in front of nobody. So, I mean, that's kind of an interesting thing that I, I think that – you know if everybody's not on the same page they almost have to not allow i don't know how that would work i really don't
2: i don't know, you know if it sounds
0: know. like they're going to allow it really uh, yeah. that's what it sounds like uh, the oh, money's
2: yeah. the money's from those seats are going to go into a pool that all oh, the teams okay. are going to share at least oh, okay. that's my understanding so it, well that always happens they share revenue yeah so right. so okay. they're going i mean they're going to allow fans at some places if the state and local mandates allow it I I really do. That's an interesting point you bring up with the home field advantages, though, because I didn't think about that. But but yeah, I do expect to see some fans in some places um, and hopefully I get to be one of those fans. Mm -hmm.
1: Either way, it's going to be a mess. Most of all, all of these regulations is going to be up to the individual state that these teams play in. You know, Florida and Texas and California, their cases are all on the rise still, and it's it's towards the end of July. So, you know, you've got like, what, eight teams that play in Florida, California, and Texas. So... It's 25% of the league. That's that's a big chunk right there. And you put, you know, New York, New Jersey in there, and there's another three teams, basically. Man, you got potentially half the league that's in a place that the state may not allow them to have these gatherings. So I just, I've been quietly just let's wait and see, kind of attitude with this whole NFL because well, that's what
0: the NFL is doing.
1: Yeah, they exactly. Quietly but, waiting and seeing. They're, <laughs> they're trying right, to, they're, and they keep pushing everything back and back and back. And you know, they're talking about no preseason at all now, and and that's that I can kind of understand. You know, and up here in Foxborough, they're talking about you know ten to fifteen percent of the normal attendance and and so forth and so on, and and I'm okay with that, but monitoring all of this and uh, the everyday testing for the players the first couple of weeks uh, you know obviously they're going to have to have private planes they, they're not going to be able to associate with other people on the outside much or else now you're you're in another city you're supposed to be quarantining are they going to be exempt from quarantine you know th- it's a mess there's a lot of logistics that's going to have to get worked out yeah how do yep. you how do you get a whole
3: a whole staff? a whole NFL staff and a team of 60 guys on one plane now if you are social distancing i mean it's it's crazy and you know you mentioned the fact that they're going to test these guys every well, what, single yeah, day yeah if they if
0: they're all if they're all clean and they know they're clean and they can put them on a plane they don't have to social distance right
3: well here here's the thing it, what i was getting at as well the money involved uh, these tests if they're testing 60 guys plus staff and say a hundred people, the coaches and everybody that works on the staff, they're testing these guys every single day for the first couple of weeks. You know how much money is involved in that? I mean, you know, you multiply, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, it's, as you mentioned, Jim, there's just so many question marks. And I mean, if they pull this off, then, you know, you gotta, you gotta question everything that's going on. It's like, yeah, you know, oh, they're, oh, they're going
1: to pull it off. There's too much money to and, lose. There's too much money involved, and
3: again, you know, it goes back to you know, the right thing, or is it all about money type of thing? It's just like anything else. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting because I haven't seen anything in regard to um, players opting out at this point either. I mean, a lot of baseball players have, and I know it's a shortened season, but there's there's some prominent names that have bailed out on this season, this coming baseball season. Trust me, if the
0: players don't get everything they want, you're going to see players bail out.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, they're yeah. not going to bail out until until the final shoe drops, and then they'll start bailing. It's right. going to
2: be really hard for me to see players bailing out, especially yes. guys who are on the bubbles, guys who are in the final years of their contract, guys who are trying to get a new contract. Well, those are the guys well, those, that are not yeah, going to bail out. Yeah, those guys won't do yeah. it. That's then. what I'm You're saying.
0: Your Russell Wilsons are going to bail
2: out. All right, your Drew
3: Breeses or right. you know whoever the case may be, these veteran guys that are like, mm, you know what? I mean yeah. –
1: they already got $50 million packed away, so right. it's not the end of the world for them, whereas some of these guys that are you know, still on uh, vet minimums, uh, these are the guys that are going to want to work.
3: Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're lively. I mean, some of these guys, and my concern is some of the bigger guys bailing. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, I can understand why they would Uh, especially if they have young kids and a family and stuff. Well, Jawan
0: James, uh, I'm sorry, Lube. Uh, Jawan James made a statement today that Mm -hmm. that I read in the paper, and he basically said that, uh, you know, he's got a wife at home that's that's pregnant. Right, exactly. you know, he doesn't want to, you know, jeopardize her.
3: Of course, and it's like that across the league. I mean, all these guys are in their twenties, early thirties at the most. I mean, they're right at that age where they should have young kids and you know, young wives and whatnot. So, a lot of them are in the same position. I mean, it's you know, I mean, there's so many question marks that go into this season. It's unfortunate because it seems like this was a year that we were going to turn turn the corner, and I just hope this doesn't
0: set us back in any way, shape, or form. You know. Yeah, being a young team, it's not an advantage, (laughs) you know, it's not an advantage. So we'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully they can do it healthily and they can play and everything will be fine. But uh, you know, the, the governor's got to get this under control.
2: Yeah. I think we're all a little bit concerned that, that our football season may not happen, but I, I'm going to stick with my optimism and I'm going to, I'm going to think we get to play. I think it's going to
0: happen. Yeah. Well, you know, I just believe that billionaires aren't going to quit easily, you know? They didn't get to be billionaires by quitting. Exactly. They're yeah. going to do what they have to do to get this season in, if if at all possible. And, you know, only two things can stop them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state's not allowing it, or the players revolting.
3: Well, you know, the other thing we didn't... Yeah, right, exactly. The players are, you know, I mean that that could be the big thing, the where they're like, "No, no, we don't feel that this is enough." Yeah. But um the other thing we need to consider, I mean we talked about some of the states, how about the states that have these domes? Um, you know, are they the, even if they're at 15-20%, I mean you're you're in a isolated area. Right. And I mean, how are you going to honestly, you know, have that type of situation in a closed in facility. I mean, are they just going to play? I mean, they're not going to play elsewhere. I just don't see that happening because they're not allowing concerts to take place. So I just don't understand how they could possibly do that in an enclosed stadium to where, you know, even if you have 20% of capacity, you're still talking about, you know, thousands upon thousands of people in one area. So, I mean, yeah, you know, there's so many question marks, and I wish they'd start it, giving us answers because it really is not that far away. I mean, we're roughly six weeks away at this point, and you know we haven't really heard anything definitive.
0: That's it.
1: Well, every day's a new day. Unfortunately, this is this is all new territory, so mm-hmm. everybody's winging it a little bit.
3: I guess they're also waiting on baseball, you know, uh, that's the advantage they have as well is that these other uh, major sports uh, are now taking place, you know, baseball starts on Friday. So I guess they're going to look at that and see how they're handling things and maybe learn or, you know, learn from that and and go in a different direction or in the same direction if it works out.
2: Yep. I'll say this, Australian rules football, Uh, Uh rugby has been going for eight weeks. So, you know, they're scrumming every day. Uh, so mm-hmm. that gives me some
3: hope. Yep. yep. absolutely. Soccer as well. Mm-hmm. They're, they're playing soccer, and um, there's a base. The Korean baseball league is. Uh, yeah, they're has going been on playing. almost three months. Yep, they're going at it for three, three four months now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there is hope. You know, I'm just you know, in, in regard to the stands and stuff like that. It's you know, I think it's a mistake if they do, in fact, even allow anybody to do it. But like you said, it's all about money. We'll see. All right,
0: I have an announcement to make.
1: All right. What do you got? Dude, do we need a drum roll?
3: Whoa. Those are some bad drums, whoever was playing them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, In August, Lewis, you and uh, Daniel
2: have a project. hey You want to talk about it, Daniel? So, for a long time now, I've been in Michael's ear- about fantasy football
3: ah okay there we go and yep
2: while i think mike has enjoyed it in the past it's not something that we talk about a lot on the page however lewis or the podcast or the podcast forever or in his personal life Any, anyhow <laughs> i'm sorry mike. sorry mike i'm quarantine mike, mike I'm going to... <laughs> so Starting up in August, Lewis and I will be hosting a new podcast for you, our fans, and it'll be centered around fantasy football. We're going to start giving you a little bit of advice to help you win your leagues. I know that I have been playing fantasy for a really long time, and I don't need to tell you all my accolades, but I'm a champ, (laughs) so uh, I don't not know what I'm talking about. And I hope that you will join us as Lewis and I embark on a new journey into the fantasy football podcast category.
3: Mike, I haven't signed my contract yet, um, you know, in regard to this. I mean, you're going to be part of this as well, Mike, correct? I will host the show, yes. You will host the show, so you're part of it as well. Okay, well, you got to send me that contract. We're, the check's in the mail. <laughs> We're going to
2: need to, you to take a
1: nasal swab.
3: Okay. Man,
1: you guys are glutton for punishment. We're, We're going to pump it up. I'm telling
3: you, Jim. You've got to be available. For those Thursday or Wednesday night shows, Jim, just make sure you have those nights free to go. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll I'll book them now.
0: Yeah, no, don't book anything.
1: Just and make don't sure forget, you're home. We, we,
0: we've got Kirk uh, sitting waiting to be called, so we, we've got people. It's not a problem.
3: That's right. We do have Kirk Marks. No, I mean, I, the, all kidding aside, yeah, I'm absolutely looking forward to that, uh, Daniel. Yes, sir. You know, I enjoy fantasy. Um, I'm in a couple of leagues myself, and um you know, I mean, it, it, I, I love talking about it. I mean, believe it or not, you know, with the way the Dolphins have played over the last 10 years, I, you know, I get more excited on certain weekends about, you know, the fantasy football than I do over Dolphin games sure, at times. Sure. And I, I hate to admit that, I'm, but, I'm right there but it's the absolute truth. You know, hopefully things change. You know, I'd never thought I would say something like that, but you know, twenty years of ineptitude will it'll, it'll put you
0: in that sort of frame of mind. So. All right. So what happens when the Dolphins start winning and your fantasy team is losing? Then what happens? It's fine. Always I'm okay the with dolphins.
3: that. That's right. Dolphins I'm okay over everything. Okay. You know the answer. To that. That's right.
0: No, I was just making sure you'd still want to do the podcast.
2: Oh,
3: absolutely, absolutely. Okay. All right. And so absolutely.
2: as we grow closer to our first episode, we will update you and let you know when that'll air and so that you can all stay tuned and be prepared for that
0: yeah i just thought i'd throw that out because you're on the show daniel and that was a good time to do it so everybody's aware all right so i hope you guys will listen to the fantasy football talk from these two clowns i think you'll find it entertaining i know i will and with that, uh, Jim, I want to go ahead and say goodnight to everybody. So thanks for joining me, guys. And uh, to everybody out there listening, Fins
1: up. Fins up. Fins up, Dolphins.
0: All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network.